Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. All you need is love. Bop, ba, bop, ba, ba. Everybody remembers the chorus from that famous song by the Beatles. The words say this. There's nothing that you can do that can't be done. There's nothing that you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing that you can do, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. There's nothing that you can make that can't be made, and no one that you can save that can't be saved. Nothing that you can do, but you can learn to be you in time. It's easy. All you need is love. Yeah, love is all you need. Sometimes when I hear these words from the Beatles, I think, if everything is so easy and all you need to make it work is love, then the Beatles must not have had the love that they sang so much about in their songs. Because we all know the Beatles broke up. (laughs) Now don't get me wrong, I think that this is a catchy tune. And I think it well defines pop culture, pop culture's call for peace and love. But it's not the kind of love that we read from the lectern in just a few minutes ago when we read 1 Corinthians 13. The love that the scriptures talk about is hard, it's not easy. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul, not the Beatle Paul, informs us that love is patient and kind. Are you patient and kind? Love does not envy or boast. Do you ever envy others? Do you ever boast about yourself? It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. I can look at all of those things and say, this is me. I am at times irritable. I am at times resentful. At times I'm arrogant. And at times I'm not polite with other people. I sometimes am rude. Are you an ever arrogant, rude a person who insists on his or her own way, are you ever irritable or resentful? Then you can agree with me when I say that John and Paul from the Beatles had it wrong. Love is anything but easy. And this chapter of Scripture is perhaps the most read Scripture lesson during weddings. You've probably all heard it. And it's obvious why a person wants this to be read for their wedding. It's beautiful. In this chapter, we hear things like love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. People think, well, this is how I want my marriage to be. We will be different. We will really love each other. And our marriage will really last forever. Then, two days later, the couple's on their honeymoon. 
The husband is irritated and wants to be alone so that he doesn't have to listen to this person talk anymore. <laughs> he was also impatient with his, with his wife when they got lost trying to find their way to the resort. And the wife is irritated and upset because her husband isn't listening to her anymore. He stopped paying attention to her. She has decided the next time that her smelly new husband wants to snuggle, then she will give him the cold shoulder and show him that she is not to be taken for granted. What happened to the love? <laughs> it sounded so good two days earlier as their pastor read the words, Love bears all things and endures all things. Obviously, this couple was romanticizing the word love. Unfortunately, you and I can relate to their situation. As we found out before when we heard everything that love is, we learned we are everything that love is not. We smile, but really, it's nothing to smile at. I always smile when I get uncomfortable. <laughs> but Paul informs us that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain absolutely nothing. If I do not have love, I'm nothing. I gain nothing. Love, my friends, is not something that comes from in here. Whitney once sang, the greatest love of all is learning to love yourself. But love is not something that I can muster up from the depths of my heart. No, when I look deep inside my heart, and I'm sure that when you look deep inside yours, you find everything that love's not. I find impatience, unkindness, envy, pride, arrogance, rudeness, irritability, resentfulness, and someone whose natural tendency is to always hide from the truth. I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way. Now, if I were, then you guys should definitely be teaching me because <laughs> I don't know anything. I know that you also do the things that you hate. I know that you look at your life and say, why did I do that again? So if we do not have love, and without love we are nothing, then where do we get this love? How do we know this love? John 3.16. By this, First John 3.16. You, you notice what I'm doing here? John and Paul? Paul and John? <laughs> 1 John 3.16 By this we know love 
that he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay our lives down for the brothers. And again, we read 1 John 4, chapter 10. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So we receive love when we receive Jesus. For Jesus is the way that God shows his love. Then when we receive Jesus, we love others because of the love that was first given to us. When we realize how patient God is with us and how his love has covered the multitude of all of our sins, it makes us patient with our brothers and sisters. And because we have been forgiven, we then forgive. So how do we get this love? How does this Jesus come to us? Well, to answer this question, we can just look at our gospel lesson. In Luke 4, 31 through 44, we see how Jesus was coming to his people in different ways. Starting with verse 31, we read, And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath was the day of rest for the Israelites. It's the day that they all gathered around the word of God. As Christians, with Jesus now risen from the dead, we gather on Resurrection Day. But it's the same type of scenario. Jesus preached. He cast out demons. It's interesting to note that the demons believed in Jesus. They did not trust him for the forgiveness of their sins. But they knew who he was. The people were amazed at God's love in Jesus. And all the reports about this guy, this Jesus, they went into every place in the surrounding region. We too are gathered around Jesus on this Lord's Day. We gather around God's love in Christ. You don't come here on a Sunday morning because it's the right thing to do. You don't come here on a Sunday morning because you have it all together, because you're a loving person, because you're not irritable. You come here because you need the love of God, which is everything that we are not. It's like Somebody hearing, somebody poor hearing, they're giving away free money at this place. We are poor in love. And we gather around this place where God's love is given freely and abundantly. We continue. How does this love, this Jesus, come to us? To answer this question, we can look at our gospel lesson for... I read that part. 
The second place where we see Jesus received in our gospel lesson is in the home of Simon Peter. So they came together as a people. They heard God's love in church. And they also received it in their homes. We read. This woman, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, was sick with a high fever. And the scriptures say that Jesus stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and she began to serve them. It's like 1 John pointed out. God loves us. And then the love spills over and we serve our neighbor. This Jesus also comes to us in our homes as well. In the pages of our Bible. You do not have to wait until Sunday morning to be healed. You can learn about Jesus who is God's love for the world right in your own home. You too can be healed from the debilitating fever known as sin. And after you are healed from God's love, do not be surprised if you arise and begin serving your neighbor the same way that Simon's mother-in-law served them. Our scripture continues. And then when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, they brought him them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them oftentimes when evening comes we feel the most debilitated you may have got along just fine all day and then the evening comes and you start regretting or being scared of tomorrow am I wrong tomorrow is the day that that test is due Tomorrow is the day that you have to finish that paper that you haven't worked on all semester. Tomorrow is the day when you have to have that meeting in your office that you've been dreading. When evening comes, we can turn to God's love for us even then. We read our son all kinds of stories. He loves stories. He especially loves Thomas the Train, and his favorite book is Crack in the Track. But before he goes to bed, I want to read him a true story of God's love for him. And then we always read from the small catechism. Why? I want his last moments to be thinking about God's love. Maybe he doesn't ponder very much. He's only two and a half but maybe he doesn't sit there and reflect boy I really like what dad said (laughs) but he will grow into what God has been feeding him all of his life and what's God been feeding him his great great love for him without Jesus we are a noisy gong a clanging cymbal and we are filled with confusion Even if we believe in God but do not trust in Jesus for our salvation, we're nothing. Even the demons believed in Jesus. And if our pursuit for perfection in this life, and if in our suit for perfection we sacrifice everything in order to get God's attention and gain eternal life by saying, "Look, look at all the good works I'm doing. 
but have not his love, we gain nothing. The greatest of all is Jesus. In Romans 13.10, we read, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And then Jesus says in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So if Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, then Jesus is love in the flesh. The Beatles may have gotten it partly right. They said, all you need is love. The scriptures would have put it this way. All you need is Jesus. The Beatles also got it partly wrong because they said this love was easy. But love gave up everything and came down from heaven and sweat great drops of blood and spilt his own blood from his hands, his side, and his feet. And he died so that you could have life in his name. Love is Jesus, and Jesus, at the cost of his very death and resurrection, he is patient, he is kind. Jesus bears all things. Jesus hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never ends. And when Jesus comes, the partial will pass away. It is true, we do not know Christ's full love, and we do not love perfectly this side of heaven. Paul says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. You think your cup overflows today. What about that day? Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Who fully knows you? His name is Jesus. He is God's love. And before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. You are the object of God's love. That's hard to grasp. But no matter how great your sin, you are the one whom Jesus came to love and to save. And now the peace that surpasses all understanding guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.